A mysterious accident uncovers sabotage on the Enterprise. The Federation does have enemies. We must seek them out. A ruthless interrogator stops at nothing to find a traitor. I'm going to get to the heart of this conspiracy. I'll fight it. And Captain Picard becomes the target of a Starfleet witch hunt. I brought down bigger men than you, Picard. Justice hangs in the balance on Star Trek The Next Generation. Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. Today, we want to talk about the 21st episode of season four of Star Trek The Next Generation titled The Drumhead as we continue our Discussing Picard series which so far has included Conspiracy, Q, Hugh, Samaritan, Snare, Best of Both Worlds, and Family, and now on to the drumhead. And if you want to watch ahead, Borg would be next. That's Season 5, Episode 23, Tapestry, Season 6, Episode 15, and All Good Things, Season 7, Episodes 25 and 26. Like always, I am your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, Starting with none other than the Who story in himself, Kyle Jones. How you doing, man? As always, glad to be back on another discussing track and can't wait to talk about this episode as well as some other things I think you want to talk about. So, yes, I'm glad to be here. Cool, cool. And also on the show tonight, we have the Trek storian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I am well as can be expected today. Um <laughs> It's been one of those days, man. I, I, I had a minor fender bender, fender bender for the first time in my life. Oh man! And it was because I was not paying attention, so that kind of pisses me off. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it happens, man. Well, it never happened to me, and it's just—it was stupid. It really was just stupid. Like it, it's nobody else's fault but mine, and I was stupid and i'm looking at my anyway i'm not gonna go into that yeah what i am gonna say but but but, but i know what you were doing you were like so enthralled by this episode that you were thinking what am i going to say tonight and that that's what did it right right well yeah that and i i just assumed that i was going to try to turn it warp and it didn't happen (laughs) exactly You know, when you try to turn your warp, things tend to get a little bit crazy. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Just a <laughs> bit. But no, this, uh, guys, I'm excited. We've had a lot of uh, Star Trek uh, info and trailers, and it's just been an exciting Star Trek week for me. So, and this episode was one of the best, I would say. So, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, man, this uh, last few weeks has been full on Star Trek universe, and I am here for it, man. I tell you, Uh, we want to thank Chicago E.T. for a recent review on iTunes. Chicago writes, you guys rock. Excellent podcast for all things Trek. Keep up the excellent work. Again, thanks for that rating and review, which again is on iTunes. And if you listening right now want to support the show, please leave us a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, especially iTunes. Ratings and reviews help us get discovered, and we thank you for your support. Now, as John just mentioned, we did have quite a bit of Trek news over the last two weeks. News and updates, especially coming out of New York Comic Con. It brought us two new trailers, uh, along with the release date for Star Trek Picard, which will premiere on January 23rd, 2020. The Star Trek Universe people, folks, crew also dropped the new short trek Q&A, which we'll talk about at a later date. <laughs> and also, um, since the Comic-Con, we've had the premiere of yet another short trek, uh, The Trouble with Edward. Uh, which we'll, again, we'll talk about at a later date. So uh, just a few details from the panels. And I, they, they really wasn't a whole lot of information. I need to go back and watch, but from the news I've seen from the panels, wasn't a whole lot of new information provided, but a few tid- tidbits real quick. Alex Kurtzman continued to, you know, be adamant to fans about their concerns of discovery going so far in the future and said that it wouldn't break from established canon too far from being 900 years in the future and promised that fans would always have the expect their expectations challenged 
Also, Doug Jones noted how season three of Discovery will continue the brother-sister relationship between the two characters of Burnham and himself, Saru, with all the ups and downs that comes with it. So, again, like, did you guys hear of any panel-related tidbits that may have come out? Because I didn't really hear of much that was really exciting. And even those two things I mentioned weren't very exciting to me. So... Any other panel news that you guys heard that may have been exciting at all uh, or interesting? No, nothing I've heard of, but I haven't been much on the interwebs lately to see any results of any panels or summaries. So, but usually I have a, like a little news feed for Star Trek and it pops up little interesting tidbits and nothing came across. So. Yeah, mm, yeah. kind of echoing what Jonathan said. The only thing I've seen is on YouTube, which is breakdowns of the trailer, which, you know, is nothing per se about the panels. It was more trailer oriented. Well, let's go ahead and get right into it. And we're going to start with the Picard trailer. And I'm going to start with you, Cal, since you talked about breakdowns. Uh, what did you garner from this new Picard trailer what what tickled your fancy, if anything? Okay, so this is another example of really thanking you for coming up with the idea of going back and revisiting these key Picard moments, as as I think that you know that you've called them. And that being said, seeing family and watching that recently, seeing once again the vines and the winery and all of that 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 just had a very good feel to me and. The second thing that I really liked was the last 30 seconds. The, it, the nostalgia and the homage to the next generation, it just put a big smile on my face. So that that was what I liked most about it. Awesome sauce. What about you, John? Have you been able to see the new Picard trailer? Yes, I have. And <clears throat> let me say first, man, kudos to whoever designs these trailers and <laughs> decides what scenes they're going to like. I mean, I'm excited. It's like yeah. a, a new broad Broadway. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's it coming to theater soon. Grossing <laughs> top grossing of the world type trailer. I'm excited about, man. So uh, that that's overall. But in detail, a little bit of detail, uh, a couple of things that I kind of picked up on. Uh, there seems to be a lot of going against Starfleet in this trailer. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was sort of interesting, especially for Picard. I mean, as we review a lot of these best of Picard episodes, that is a very interesting subject of Picard going against Starfleet, you know, just defying Starfleet outright. Um, couple of more things. Uh, I read a review probably two, three weeks ago. Not a review. It was a comment someone made about the uh, there was like some cover art for Picard uh, show and it showed the dog and the dog had a Starfleet emblem on him and yeah. it said number one. Yeah. So I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, he named his dog number one. <laughs> something happened to Will. You know what I mean? And so here we get to see Will Riker is actually still alive yeah. and still kicking, although he seems a little old to see now. He's yelling at somebody. <laughs> um, but that was exciting to see that. That We'll get to see a little bit more of that relationship. Um, and the last thing, man, there was like a little snippet of Picard in a sword fight. Yeah, I saw that. That looked pretty cool, right? Oh, man. <laughs> I I would love to see like Senior Citizen Picard in a sword fight. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But man. what about you, man? What did you see? What did you like? Oh, dude, all the things you guys echoed. Man, I have to tell you, I'm probably equally or more excited for Picard than I am for the next season of Discovery. I mean, everything I've seen, I mean, I was just giddy after this, this trailer, man. It just hit all the feels. Um, I wasn't too hot. You know what? The look of data, I really, mm -hmm. I, I know that Brent Spiner is much older, but I really wish they would have at least tried to adhere to some of the look that from him on TNG or even the movies for that matter, he looks just completely different from the movies at this point. And I don't know what it is. I think it's the wig that they're using for him. The hairline just looks, doesn't feel right or something. Well, like what that. I, I noticed like his facial features are different. Yeah. Like he has more of a rounded 
cheekbone like yeah and and of course Bruce Brown is way older and I, I, I do yeah. get that but it seems like they're going for a totally different look for some reason yeah, and maybe see, he figured I'm, out how well, go I'm ahead, fine with no 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 I was just going to say I'm fine with it because they explained it in story that he was dismantled so he's n- not going to per se look I mean true enough they could have made him look different but maybe in in canon, the, what they're going to explain is they're not recreating him, they're repairing him, and that's the best they could repair what was originally Data. Well, I'm under the impression that every, every little inkling we've seen of Data has been a dream sequence. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's my impression. Now, we may see him by the end, because remember that first trailer, he opens the drawer, and, and I went back and looked at that trailer, those are actually, seems that, like they're actually pieces of the data we know because they're all kind of burnt and, um, tethered or weathered a little bit. So I, we may see data proper by the end of the series, but I think everything we've seen so far has been like dream sequence. Mm, and that's, that's, that's kind of where I was going with that. Like, uh, especially in this recent trailer, it was a dream sequence. So I'm, I'm like you, Clarence, I was expecting to see that same data that we remember now if i could understand a difference in looks maybe they could kind of work that out by saying hey you know he always strive to be more human so maybe he figure out some kind of way to age himself so he wouldn't look younger than the rest of the crew he served with but like you said if it's a dream sequence that we're only seeing him in that's going to be not a major issue but it did bother me like watching that it just kind of it was rough i don't know if that makes it was kind of edgy, like I kind of like, Egh. yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and honestly, other than that, that's the only visual that really threw me out of it. Every other thing I saw, visually speaking, was freaking fantastic. And oh man, this is one part where I don't know if it's Robert um, that Picard is talking to, but somebody—it looks like it could be him. It says, "Do you really want to go back out there in the cold?" Do you remember that part? Yeah, yeah, I dude, I, was that Robert? You know, I didn't think about. I was trying to figure out who that would be, and I didn't think about it. But you are absolutely right. That may be, and and uh, even more poignant if it's if it's the actual actor. I mean, having recently passed away this this summer, so yeah, yeah. Because I know they started shooting Picard like I think in last February or March is when they started. So it could possibly be him. Right. Um, yeah, I love seeing Seven of Nine as a mercenary because oh, yeah. <laughs> she's here oh, to yeah. save people is what she says. I thought it was freaking awesome. And and again, just to reiterate what you guys said about um, Will and Deanna Troy, that was that was freaking phenomenal. And oh, the feels. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so two other things real quick before we move on. The one thing that I really, really liked about this is how often do we as a viewing audience get to revisit a story or a set of characters that we're talking about 30, 25, 30 years after they went off the air and they're coming back to television in whatever form it may be. You don't get that often. And this is to me, this makes this so much more special. And it kind of echoes what you said, Clarence, about being more excited for this in some ways than discovery because this is something that doesn't happen often. And that leads into my number two thing I wanted to say is I did read somewhere, and if I find it, I'll send it to you guys, that the Picard story was originally conceived as a short trek, but then they decided after they looked at it, oh, wow, this this is so much more than just a, start, a short trek. Man, that oh, I'd have been a, so upset if they had made yeah. that a short trek. That would have been an uber short, <laughs> uh, meaty short trek. <laughs> It, it really would. Wow. Like that's what would pissed me off because I'd have got so far into that and then it would have ended. I'd be like, really? What the crap? Yeah, I don't know about that one. I've never heard that before, so I don't know. Yeah, I'll find. I I, I read it over the weekend, so I'll find it and send it to you guys. Well, so get, I got I got a question real quick. Uh, it's just something minor. I found it interesting that when he went to Starfleet headquarters. And he was having to get a badge, I guess, or something. And he had to spell his name. He's like Picard. P. I. <laughs> yeah, that was too much. <laughs> I was like, man, why do you not know this guy? Yeah, it's been that. You know, I mean, that that kind of suck. But it was funny. Well, he's been going for twenty years. What the hell are you doing out here, Picard? You know. 
Oh man! So we have also we're going to briefly talk about the Discovery season three trailer, which man, I just I just don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's so confusing, and I'm not excited really. But I really I don't. <laughs> Even your voice, my friend, your voice went down when you said the Discovery trailer. Well, it just, just dramatic, you're kind man. of like your your excitement kind of deflated a bit. I was I was being dramatic purposely there, but I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, anything about this trailer that has you ready for the next season of Star Trek Discovery? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Do tell. So a wise man once said, and I quote, they're, they being the producers of these short tracks are not going to create a short track without a reason. And they didn't create a short track last year without a reason because the character that was the star of the one star uh, short track, the you know Star Trek short, whatever, the track that didn't tie into season two is tying into season three. So that made me happy. Wait, how's, how so? It, wasn't the dude that was walking with her in, <laughs> no. in the desert? Wait, no. The same guy. no, that's a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know we all look the guy. same. I was so happy. It's another <laughs> black guy. <laughs> all black people look the same. It's okay. <laughs> no, I really thought it was the same guy. Never mind. No, it wasn't all this Hodge. No, Cal, Cal, in your defense, like, I rewatched it just to make sure because I, I thought about it like, ha- like halfway through it. And I'm like, was that the guy? No. And then I had to rewind it just to be sure. But yeah, it, okay, it, well, never mind. I guess a wise a guy glance, <laughs> and if you're hoping for that and a quick glance, you, I could see how that could have happened. Yeah, that that is uh, David Aljai. I can't say his last name. Aljala. Um, and he's going to be a character named Book. And he actually was in the last few seasons of Supergirl as Manchester Black. Hmm. Yeah, mm. that's who that is. Unless, unless it was Aldous Hodge in the trailer and I missed it too. So I'm a whole no, mind. <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee you it was not, but it, 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 at a quick glance, it could have been. All right. Well, I get that. I get that. But again, I mean, if that was the case, Kyle, I too would have been excited for this trailer. <laughs> but, but man, um, things I, that, that I observed, it looked like, it looked like Burnham may have dropped out of the wormhole or whatever they call it at a different point of time than discovery. Cause it seems like she's wandering around for a year. And, and mm. what, what I kind of think that I got from the trailer is that maybe something they did is going to cause Starfleet to probably be no more when they get in the future. Cause it looks like Starfleet is either decimated or trying to rebuild and I don't know if it's because on their journey to the future, something fell through time in between that 930 years has caused the Starfleet to not be what it should be. And and I really don't know. It's either that or I think they're going to, instead of st- staying 930 years in the future, they're going to travel progressively backwards to try to figure out what messed up Starfleet. That's just my guess from the trailer. Really, I have no clue, mm-hmm. but... See, I kind of interpreted it a little differently, and my interpretations may take them with a grain of salt, considering I can't tell two people apart. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) that being said, my interpretation of this was more so that Starfleet had become more of a legend uh, and it, it had gone away at some point. And it was this thing that people talked about because think about it if we don't talk about in the year you know 2019 things that they were talking about in 1019 and so i just saw this as more of a legend and Hmm. she's representing bringing back that legend that may be as far off from the truth as aldous hodge being in this but (laughs) that, that was my interpretation well, I kind of I kind of agree with you on that, Kyle, just for, for the fact of the guy that said he's been watching over that office for however many years with a hope that 
her, the savior would come or whatever the case may be in it. So like that, that kind of lets me know that something in occurrences were like maybe Starfleet was decimated or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I, I just think that's just, they've been hoping for that. They've been waiting for something. They've been needing a Starfleet and here it comes. Uh, but I assumed because they went in the future that someone that on that ship had a, was played an integral part in keeping the Starfleet going. And because mm. they went into the future and didn't complete their uh, timeline. Ah, butterfly. Right. Interesting. And I won't go any deeper than that because I'm going to confuse myself and I hate time stuff. <laughs> okay. So one, one, um, four words before we move on then. Wibbly wobbly timing wobbly. <laughs> exactly. I do have a couple of things I, I made notes here. Sure. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this will be just an awesome thing for me. Uh, there was a, a, a little visual of Burnham floating in like this pool. Yeah. Oh. That was awfully similar yep. to the trio symbiote pool. Yep. Yep. I noticed that. Yeah. That you look would pretty be cool. Awesome. If that was the case, and maybe she gets a symbiote put in her. Oh man. Everything and that happens to Burnham. That's had I mean, because think about it. She needs to know everything that happened in the past nine hundred years. And what if there's a symbiote like the Dak symbiote that's been lived forever? Yeah. That she gets put and then she immediately knows everything that's been happened. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm hoping. That's a far stretch, but that's what I'm hoping for. Well, apparently she's trying to uncover some mystery is, is kind of what I gathered from the trailer. But she said she told that, I guess, whoever that guy's now the head of Starfleet. She told him she's going to get to the bottom of this as if something they they did caused. I don't know. Who I don't know. Yeah, we don't know what to expect, but it should be interesting nonetheless. But nice. I am very disappointed in myself because as you are, Clarence, I am more excited for Picard than I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but but let me say this. I don't think at this point, I don't think this was intended to make us excited. I think this was intended to just give us a sneak peek. But what they wanted us to be excited about, and Jonathan, back to what you said about how well it was done, what they want us to be excited about right now is Picard. So yeah, I right. think our conversation over these last few minutes has said what they wanted worked because we're more excited about what is coming first and what's coming second. Mission accomplished. And I mean, I don't think you I don't think as a trick loving person, I, I, I just don't think you could be more excited yeah. for anything than Picard coming back. You know, that's been teased here and there over the years and it's never happened. But I mean, arguably one of the greatest Starfleet captains in history and one of the best Star Star Trek shows. And we're getting another dose of that. Like that's what we've been wishing for for years and years and years. I, I mean, naturally I think you'll be more excited. Yeah. And again, guys at a later date, we're going to talk about the, the two new short, short treks. Q&A, which is talks about uh, Spock's first day and as well as Trouble with Ed Edward, which is about Tribbles. So, um, yeah, we'll get that a later date. But now we're going to get into our review of Star Trek, the next generation, the drumhead, which um, originally aired on April 27th, 1991. A retired Admiral Boards Enterprise in an effort to determine the actions aboard the ship surrounding an act of sabotage and possible treason. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So, guys, let's get the high level view of what you think of the episode. And let's start with you, Jonathan. What do you think, man? Um, Again, well, very great episodes. One of the best, I think. Um, we really get into the more the moral center of Picard, I believe. Interesting, and that to to me, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the point of us going through all of these is kind of to get to that. I know a couple episodes we reviewed, we did not get a lot of like just deep Picard, but I think here we did. What about you, Cal? 
Mm. So uh, while I agree with everything that Jonathan said, my take more so is in good writing, good writing stands the test of time. And this did stand and it stand and it stood well and it interpreted well. And this is a great story that I'm very excited to get to talk about because number one, I learned something. And number two, I, I love anything that can be reapplied yep. today. Certainly. And I really love that. So what about you? What's your initial thought? Yeah, I mean, um, applying today, it made me rethink some of my views <laughs> just ever so slightly. But yeah, man, I, I thought this episode was not going to be that great <laughs> from the first 15 minutes. <laughs> but man, does it end spectacularly, man. I, I just l- love the exploration of why we do some things and the witch hunt, uh, as some people like to say. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but 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 yeah i i love this episode man so we're, we're gonna get into it <clears throat> so we start the episode with jadan 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 <laughs> a klingon exobiologist aboard the enterprise for a science exchange program is suspected of a security breach and sabotage of the enterprise's warp drive also a week after his arrival to the enterprise a dilithian chamber um Blew up for all intents and purposes. <laughs> and, and, uh, as well as those schematics fall into the hands of the Romulans. So what are initial thoughts on the possibility of, of Jadan being the culprit? Because again, like, I mean, we're going to go through this part with him, but to me, this whole beginning wasn't very exciting, but obviously it was a setup for the latter half of the episode. So what were you guys initial thoughts on? Zidane and, you know, being accused of blowing up stuff and spying and all that stuff. John. <laughs> um, so it's been a while since I watched these, these particular season, but it like when I started it, I watched like the first three minutes, I'd say. And I was like, wait a minute. So I stopped it. I went back out and I started over from the beginning because I said, I must have missed something. <laughs> And that, and that's kind of how I feel about Jordan, Jordan, like, which I understand they had a lot, a lot of story to get to in this episode. So why waste a lot of time on a necessary story? But I couldn't really form an opinion about him because we didn't really build a story for him other than he was guilty of giving information away. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I I couldn't say, yeah, he did it. I couldn't really form a hatred for him. I couldn't really like, I, I could care less whether he was guilty or not guilty. It just wasn't, it wasn't built up to that point. Uh, I think I got more out of him from the interaction with the wharf that, that I think he was more important in that interaction than the actual explosion of the warp core. So, yeah. well, mm. well, I mean, we, I do think he's the catalyst to this domino effect of blame that we're going to get in an episode. So, um, Kyle, I want to ask you in particular, what do you think about his attempt to get Worf to give him a shovel, a shuttle, um, by saying, Oh, we can, we can bring honor back to your family and all this just to get off the ship. Do you, do you think Worf was actually tempted by that? You know, I think on some level, he would have to be as a character. I don't think he was, but as a being, I'm not going to say human being, of course, but as a, <laughs> you know, as a being, I would think there would have to be some level that at least thought about it. But his yeah. character as a Starfleet officer, of course, superseded that. But what I, what I also want to mention is back to what we were saying about the way they set up this guy's or this Klingon's character was I don't think we were supposed to know or think that much about it. I think we're supposed to immediately fall into the trap of assuming that he did it because circumstances were he did this, so he must have done that. And I don't think they fleshed it out more, obviously because of time, but I also don't think that we needed any more subtext to it because we were supposed to immediately assume as a viewer, oh, yeah, he did it. Yeah. And of course, he's he's accused of his warp core sabotage, but we we find out later that it 
wasn't him. And we're going to get into the other thing he did through that I thought was brilliant. But first, <laughs> I think we get a bit of retconning. Uh, we see the, uh, the arrival of was Admiral Satie, uh, who were told that her investigation, that she was the catalyst in uncovering the alien conspiracy in the episode conspiracy, but I don't remember her name ever being mentioned or anything, but now they've brought her in all of a sudden as the expert. So I want to ask you guys, like what are your initial thoughts on the Admiral being brought in to uncover the truth? Retired Admiral, might I say, Kyle, any thoughts on her? Mm, my, my original thoughts on her was where have I seen her before? Cause she looked familiar, but beyond that, it was, I don't know. It just, it, I liked the initial interactions with him, especially in that part where she says, I didn't know that I was going to like you, but I'm going to enjoy working with you. I liked the fact that they had that conversation. So I bought into the character. I was on board with the character at that point. What about you, John? So I'm with Cal. I, I um I wasn't really sure. I knew like well, I don't think anybody we we've ever really seen her in anything in any episode. Uh, but I, what stood out to me was Picard's respect and admiration of her going into this. Like it not and it it was it was more than you know I respect her as an admiral. He respected her as like a person. Yeah, you know what I mean. He didn't have the same Picard air like. I'm not going to say he was ever condescending, but, you know, he's always like at mo at best, someone was his equal. Yeah. But he kind of treated her as like superior, not in rank, but as in morality, as in just just all around person. You know what I mean? And that that's I kind of appreciated that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but what I did realize from a little research and there was an episode, and I don't remember which one, uh, TNG, really areas in my notes, All Good Things. And it was kind of when Picard was going back and forth. I think we're going to talk about this eventually, but he was going back and forth in time. And there was a flashback where he was being given the command of the Enterprise, and she was the admiral doing that. Really? Mm, that is cool. So that would explain his respect and admiration for her. That is freaking cool. Yeah. Oh, man. I agree with everything that you guys said. But also, I mean, Picard even goes as so far to recognize the achievements of her father, Aaron, which we're going to get a huge callback to at the end of the episode. So I just thought that was good pacing and good setup as well. Uh, also aiding in that respect that he had for her. Uh, but you know, eventually we're going to see that respect that he has for her father is going to come back to bite her in the end, which I, I just thought was a wonderful setup there at the beginning of the episode. So Kyle, I have to ask you, man, you like tech, you like cool, uh, tech stuff in the world of Trek. What do you think about this whole hyper spray and stealing of, um, Starfleet technology with not Japan? possible? <laughs> whoa, whoa. <I'm> sorry, I... <laughs> go ahead mm, yeah you know obviously uh apple is still around at that point because you know they they created the iphone in tw uh, 2007 and blew people's minds so hyperspray in this century of star trek yeah it's possible it may not be called apple it may be called you know synthetic apple i don't know but yeah I, it's possible i, I don't know man it, it, it... <laughs> That was a stretch. Like, so let, let, let me explain what it is. Maybe I didn't explain what it is. So, so the hyper, uh, Janan has the hypo spray fitted with an op optical reader, specially modified to read data from Starfleet isolinear chips. Data is decoded into amino acid sequences, which can be extracted later and re encoded. That is how he was getting information off of the enterprise. So I was trying to ask, like, do, do we think that's like a cool concept? Was I thought it was like a fantastic bit of tech that I, I, I can see that being real. I can I can kind of see that being real. I mean, of course, you guys don't <laughs> made fun of me when I made fun of so, it. So I mean, any 
No, I thought you were being like uh, thinking that it wasn't. So that was that that was why I went that direction. Uh, so I have a I, I I understand the hypospray, okay, and I do understand that maybe possibly you could have a microchip small enough that could be that could stay in your bloodstream so that you could copy data from the isolinear chips stored on this microchip that can then be injected into the body like a Borg nanoprobe and then be drawn out later. That's possible. I think that's happened in an episode of Star Trek. But what they're saying is we've gotten this data, which is ones and zeros, I'm assuming, still, and put it in this hypospray, and in this hypospray, turned it into a DNA. In, uh, actually, it turned it into biological matter, which would be amino acids, which is basically the building blocks of DNA, and injected it in your body. And then later, we're going to find that particular strand of DNA yeah. and extract it from their body, and then take that DNA, convert it back from biological matter back to ones and zeros, which is data, and then put it back on a. I just, I, I don't, I don't see it. That's that's complicated. Okay, you know? so let me, if you don't mind, let me add this. Considering the fact that last season of Discovery was set before the Next Generation, was there not? And help me out here, but wasn't the main antagonist of last season basically a computer program that was taking over people? But by smaller computers inside of him. Yeah. So, so I get what you're saying. You say in the case of the Borg and nanoprobes, they're, they're small little micro or nano computers, which go in and rewrite things inside a human body or any, you know, humanoid body. But I do think that, I mean, I've, I've just actually Googled it real quick. <laughs> you know, if you think of what DNA is at its core, it's all encoding. And even we've mapped the genome based on that encoding, the human genome based on that encoding. So, I mean, it does sound far-fetched to be able to inject a different sequence only to, to be able to retrieve that later. But I do think when we're talking in the Star Trek universe, it could be possible. It sounds okay to me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's pop and it, it's a Enough possibility that you're okay with it. You know what I mean? It's it's like it, it it's possible, but I highly doubt it. Like it, it, there's a lot of Star Trek stuff take that I say. You know that's absolutely possible. Yeah, but then I guess if I reflect back ten years ago, you'd have told me that uh, replication, the way they replicate, would be possible. I'd have felt the same way. And now we are actually replicating things out of thin air. Not major, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so 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 we do see what Janan confesses that he had dealings with the Romulans, but holds true that it wasn't him that sabotaged the dilithium chamber. So, I mean, I think at this point is where the whole everybody, uh, especially when you think of Sati and her people, everybody could be on trial because he was going to the um, to sick bay to get these injections, even though he had his own. Uh, hypospray, which I don't understand, but he's going to sick bay to get these injections. So at that point, they start to interview the medical staff. So I, and this is one point I want to bring up real quick. Mr. Tarsus was very frightened. So why do we always equate nervousness to being guilty? I know it makes you look guilty, but come on, you could just be nervous because you're being questioned. And they were like instantly ready to put this guy on trial um well to actually you know throw throw the book at him because he was he looked guilty i mean any thoughts on that on on mr tarsus there mm, I, yeah i do uh i i think this is a lesson for any of us that what you perceive as guilt and what reality sometimes is yes he was nervous but he was not nervous for the reason that they assumed and, you know, while he said that he was, you know, uh, his grandfather was Vulcan whenever it was actually Romulan, he was hiding that because at that particular moment in Federation history, it was not cool to have ancestors that were Romulans, as opposed to it being cool as it was 
you know, if you were a Vulcan. A great uh, example of that is, you know, right at 80-something years ago, it was not cool, quote-unquote, to be German, whereas now in 2019, Germany is listed as one of the leaders of democracy. So that's kind of what I saw there is he was nervous about something, but mob mentality or subversion or whatever you want to call it, interpreted it as something else. Hmm. Hmm. So I, I agree that uh, I, I do agree with you, but I think the what caused the problem and Picard pointed this out is you have an empath sitting here. So now his nervousness is a little bit more believable because this empath senses that he is hiding something. So, I mean, if you had, I mean, just think about it. If we're in a court of law and there were beings that have empathic ability and they could sense when someone was lying or covering something up, you would instinctively suspect this person. Now, I think the question goes back to how far are you going to follow this hunch from an empath? You know what I mean? I do understand them thinking, hey, there's something off about him. We need to look into it a little more. I don't I don't I'm not OK with how far they took it. Yeah. And when you sp- speak of the, the empath, I mean, good points on that. Uh, the beta always sitting on there as part of Satie's team. I mean, it, 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 you're totally right in, in, in that point. And I think why is Picard questioning, questioning this now? We spoke last on the last episode about how maybe, um, the counselor is more of a, an a assistant to Picard than a true counselor in a lot of ways. She is always giving him the upper hand on um, enemies or people they come in contact with with that have given no permission to be scanned and probed by her. So isn't he being a little I mean, he even questions himself at this point. He's being just a bit hypocritical in his analysis of the use of a Betazoid there. Yeah, but I don't think he ever made a decision based off of her input. Like, I think hmm. he, I, you know, so like he's on the view screen talking to someone or some alien culture and they pause it and she say, well, he's definitely hiding something. You know, he didn't flick the view screen back on and say, you're hiding something. Fire. Hmm. <laughs> he just, he just always took that and then proceeded with more caution. So now in his mind, he's like, okay, Deanna thinks that he's hiding something, so I need to expect that he may be hiding something. We'll continue, but, you know, that's in the back of his brain. Like, And I think that's kind of why, you know, Picard would have let this Betazoid sit in that hearing because of the same reason. It's okay to have that opinion as long as you don't form, you don't... It's not judge, jury, and executioner in her. Yes. And see, Jonathan, I think you hit on it in what you just said. You you need to look at it from the motive for where Picard is coming from and the motive from where Admiral Satie was coming from. And, and I agree a million percent in what you just said in the sense of he used Troy's logic or her thinking from to form his logic and as just one component of how he thinks. On the flip of that, what the Admiral in my opinion, was doing was she used his Betazoid intuition as a basis to pursue what her opinion was. Yeah. And and I mean, of course, we figure out that Tarsus lied on his application, but we're going to we're going to go into that a little bit uh, later. But first, I wanted to talk about had have you guys ever heard of a drumhead trial before prior to this episode? No, I have not. Neither had that I. That's what I was saying that I, I love that I learned something because I had I didn't know I, I had never heard of it. Yeah. So Wikipedia reads a drumhead court martial is a court martial held in the field to hear urgent charges of offenses, com- offenses committed in action. The term some, sometimes has connotations of summary justice. The term is said to originate from the use of a drumhead as an improvised writing table. During these 
proceedings. So I didn't know that. And, you know, when you think of how Picard looks at what's happening and he questions Satie, um, you can quickly see how the road from his trial or even this investigation of this one person. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't even invest in this guy at first, but they brought Tarsus in this. So it goes, it quickly goes from legitimate suspicion to rampant paranoia, paranoia. And I think this is Picard's own words. The road to legitimate suspicion to rampant paranoia is very much shorter than we think, which I thought was an awesome freaking statement, which should be on a wall somewhere. And he mentioned something called the seven guarantee, which I'd never heard before, but I guess it's a Federation thing. And I looked it up and it's a, a guarantee that protects all Federation citizens from being compelled to give self incriminating testimony in legal proceedings. You know, we plead the fifth, basically the same thing as well as, you know, if you think of the use of a Betazoid, you can even compare that to the use of a lie detector in a lot of ways. You know, you shouldn't take the lie detector as gospel, but maybe it can influence how you investigate a little differently. So, um, so Picard has a discussion with Tarsus, you know, and, and I want to talk a little about a bit about Starfleet enlisted personnel, which, you know, is a concept I never really thought about. Uh, immediately I have no sense of military structure, but when we tend to talk about Starfleet, we talk about all the officers. We never really talk about the little people. So I had asked you guys, did you ever think there were people serving aboard Starfleet vessel that were lower than ensign? Mm. Uh, absolutely. And my main, the main character that comes to mind is chief O'Brien. Huh? Is he chief O'Brien? Well, no, he's not enlisted, but yeah, I mean, I guess that would make a point. Uh, but I mean, he still is lower as far as the hierarchy on the ship. He has to answer to the ensign as a superior officer. Does he? I don't. Yep. Hmm. Uh, when he was, uh, when on DS9, when Nog enlisted into Starfleet and became an ensign, yep. there was a particular episode where yep. he came back and Chief O'Brien said, Well, I guess I'm going to have to start calling you sir. Yep. You're right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, uh, enlisted personnel are those who have not completed the four year Starfleet Academy course or otherwise been given a commission as an officer through officer candidate school. In most cases, enlisted, enlisted crewmen sign up directly to a ship or a posting and receive basic training as well as any specific courses required for their position. So again, me not really having a military <laughs> sense or background. Um, yeah. If you were in the military, you would know this stuff already because it's pretty, pretty much how the military is structured, uh, our real world military is structured. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really cool because I've never really yeah. thought about anything lower than ensign. <laughs> yeah. I think all of the, the, um, if you're enlisted, you get an E designation. I think it maybe starts out E1 all the way up to E. 12 or E15 or something like that based yeah, on it does. And it's, uh, and, but what I think the difference is uh, in our military, and again, I'm not military. I did a lot of ROTC, but if you're not enlisted, you just work there. All right. Uh, Picard talks to us again with the Admiral. And um, do we let white lies go if they ruin a person? He is keeping a part of his past shielded that if he mentions it, he's probably not going to get into Starfleet. Now, does that make him a bad person for that lie? I don't know. It's I think it's a huge gray area. Should he be lying? No. But if it automatically precludes him from being an option into this organization, should he just give up on his dream? No, absolutely not. Hmm. It's it's a hard it's a hard choice, man. So, uh yeah, it's. I think this is a downfall of Starfleet and the Federation. Like, for for the Federation and Earth and to have come so far to eliminate war and eliminate hunger and monetary value, and but still based off of someone's bloodline, they're not allowed to serve in Starfleet. Yeah, you know, and and not even just that it's a bloodline. I mean, I guess it is a bloodline. It's just because you're not you don't have an alliance with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if this person's grown up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, 
Oh, you mean I, like a kid that's grown up in America but wasn't born here? Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> rough, man. And you know, I, I always—I mean, the thing I see about this situation is that when it's something you that is about you, but you don't have any control over, you had zero decision in. Why? How can that affect your life, or why should that affect your life? Now, do I like the fact that he lied here? I mean, no, because I like people to tell the truth. But if you really look at it, it had it's his bloodline. It's something he has zero control over. So why should that affect his opportunities going forward? And let me add this. Should it hinder him if he is passionate about whatever the Federation stands for? Does that not in turn make him the perfect candidate to be in the Federation because he wants to be, not because he feels obligated to be, not because someone told him to, because he wants to be. And to be told, you can't do this simply because of the bloodline or whatever the case may be, that's why I said absolutely not. I agree that it's wrong to lie and you should be honest. But in the situation, is it right to hold him back because of that? And I think it's wrong. Yeah. So to which Picard tells the Admiral that her actions to prosecute Tarsus are unethical, immoral, and he'll fight it, <laughs> which he, he had the opportunity to soon after that as the trial continued. And lo and behold, um, what do you guys think of Picard being summoned? <laughs> John, John, any any thoughts on Picard taking a witness stand? <laughs> Picard taking <laughs> uh, I mean nothing really stood out as it was kind of expected um and I think he kind of expected it and I think he kind of welcomed it but I think the line of questioning they went into was not expected and that kind of blew me away like I didn't expect it to be direct I figured they'll call him to the stand you know what I mean but in reference to Tarsus or the warp core breach like it they called him to the stand and like in reference to the things he's done wrong yes and that's what surprised me and we're talking about captain picard here yep yep and and that my friend that's at the point where this this drumhead trial becomes a witch hunt and mm. they are out to don't. get any and everybody go ahead cal no, if you don't mind me saying, it, I think it began just a moment before that when she says that she has requested the um, head of security or the admiral, so someone else come from Starfleet, basically, to be her enforcer is how I saw him. And and she basically tells Picard, I don't answer to you. I answer directly to Starfleet. I'm doing what I want to do. That That's, to me, when Drumhead started. Yeah, I mean, and at this point, everybody's on trial. She questions, she questions having a Klingon security officer when a Klingon was in question for this uh, supposed sabotage. I mean, she takes Tarsus to task, even though we know what they're accusing him of may completely be unrelated to anything that's happened on the Enterprise. And, and lastly, once we get to what she has the audacity to take Picard to task for. I mean, you just gone too far. You just gone too far. Yeah. I think mean, especially after Picard has gone through so much, he's been taken over by the Borg. He's fought the Borg. I mean, he's gone through so much. And the worst you can come up with is he's violated the prime directive six times. This man has flown back and forth across the galaxy and fought countless enemies and solved countless like Federation ending problems. And the best you can come up with is he violated the prime directive six times. It's like saying the president of the United States ran the stop sign twice in his life. <laughs> Which, I mean, you mentioned the president. And I think, you know, whether and I'm not going to mention what side anyone is on, but you it makes you have to look at what's going on in the current administration and evaluate, you know, clearly. I mean, I don't think it changes my opinion, but evaluate clearly on how we are pursuing him. Now, 
his whole case is different. He's bringing a lot of stuff on himself versus Picard being an innocent bystander for the most part in this episode. But it does make you think about, you know, all the people that have fallen in his wake as they've gone after him. You know, granted, most of them were bad people, but still, I mean, they were just kind of swept up in the in the trial, you know. Right. And it I mean, it's when you have a powerful person. That's kind of tends to happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get. It's hard to get to a powerful person. And, you know, it's part uh, close to the end. She says, I've taken down more powerful people than you or bigger men than you. Oh. And the reason that was so important is because when you're after somebody big like that, you usually have to go through a lot of small people to get there, unfortunately. And that's I mean, even in our current situation, Unfortunately, I mean, like you said, most of them are bad, but it may be some good people that's going to have to fall too to get where they're going and whether or not it's worth it is yeah. to each mm-hmm. by everybody's yeah. opinion. Yeah. You know, let me let me add just this real quick. And again, doesn't matter, you know, which side anybody is on here. But in our lifetime, we've also seen where regardless of people thinking someone did something or didn't, where people in power use that power to make questionable things for people who are innocent of what they have done, but try to form a narrative that these people are not as good or as not as whatever as, as they actually were. So we've seen, you know, not just, you know, someone using that prosecutorial power and, and, and the detriment to probably what they should be doing. And we've seen that in our lifetime. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think like the shining moment of the episode was when Picard struck back and, and basically quoted the words of, of her father, Aaron Satie. And I just thought she was just uh livid about him using her own father's words against her. And that, you know, the, the the house came house cars came coming came down right after he quoted quoted from her father um at the end of that episode picard likens the events of the episode to medieval torture of witches and heretics and says there will always be someone like her you know and again that word witch hunt comes up and yeah i mean i just think this is a poignant, epi- poignant episode and um how do, how does it reflect on Picard is the question I have to ask. Like, how does it affect him going forward? What does it show us about him? Um, for me, well, well, let me say this. One of the biggest scenes or the, the most impactful scenes in this for me was right at the moment when she is getting so livid in her response. This guy from Starfleet that she brought in just gets up, says nothing, <laughs> and walks out. Yeah. That that to me was so well played and so powerful. That that was like my favorite scene of this. But to answer your question, how does this impact Picard? I think he at this point in his career had seen this before. And I think this was probably a good reminder that no matter how much good you have to do, and I know, and I know this is going to sound negative, but it may have been a little bit of no matter how good and how much good you do, there's always going to be that someone who's going to take it one step too far. Yeah, right. I agree. And I, to add to that, and I, I kind of have in my notes here just the word patience. Uh, and a lot of that, just from Picard's standpoint, like he, uh, you know, I kind of go back up as I watch this and I think about how would Janeway have handled this? How would Cisco have handled this? And, you know, I'm thinking like, especially Cisco, like Cisco would look at her and say, get off my damn ship. You know what I mean? Like this is over and you're not, and you can call whoever the hell you want to call, but you're getting off my ship. And everybody would have backed him up. You know what I mean? Uh, Janeway kind of would have been the same thing, a little more sarcastic, not quite as straightforward. But I think she would have ended it. But Picard shows a lot of what I think is his strength in Star Trek is his patience, his mental patience and his his 
he has a way of taking in all the information and processing it and like just thinking his way out of everything. And that's kind of what you see here. He didn't cause any ruckus. He didn't defy any, he didn't break any rules. He figured out how to end this the perfect way. And it's just come from patience and thought. I mean, he, he didn't get in anybody's face. He waited and got all of the information and then, you know, gave back, you know, just patience, man. That's, that's just Picard. I don't think it changes him going forward other than, you know, like you said, that quote we've all said already, that there'll always be someone out there like that, and you just have to remain vigilant for it. Yeah, man. Wow, that is huge, that patience thing, because you are totally right, but I didn't really think of that. And, you know, this episode has one of those gifts you see from Picard where he's, like, holding his forehead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when he's on in that chair, he's if she puts the task, the question about the prime directive and the Borg. And like you said, he just sits there for a second, <laughs> rubs his forehead, and then raises back up and gives it to her, you know, right. like a boss. <laughs> and he, and it, it wasn't forceful. It wasn't, I mean, and he, he, he didn't even, I honestly don't feel like he was doing it to spite her, really. Like, I think he honestly felt like that. I think that quote actually came to his mind. Yeah. And that actually fit the situation. And that's how he thought about it. And I think just so happened, it worked in that situation. You know what I mean? Like he just, it's just amazing to me, man. Like that, if you want to talk about mental prowess, that, that is for car. Yeah. And man, it's like, I don't know. I'm equated to like when you're a little kid and you do something bad and your parent like, quotes a bible scripture to you to me it's right. kind of like the equivalent of <laughs> like you know he he um quoted something from somebody that's highly regarded in starfleet but not only that is the girl the woman's father to top that so i mean yeah he just presents this you know this is argument in a, in a way that everybody there can see okay you know she's wrong <laughs> right. Yeah. And he set that up perfectly in the beginning where he wanted to make some remarks starting off and she said no. And then this is kind of Picard being forceful the few times he has been. He's like, uh, no, I have that right. And this, this, this subsection is this says I can. So sit down, shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> so and then he goes on. I don't know exactly what he said word for word, but I mean, he pretty much set the expectation of what this trial was then. And then it kind of made it, it kind of put the burden of proof back on Admiral Settee. Yeah. Like now, now Picard is innocent. So you need to, you need to prove to us why he's sitting here. Yep. Yep. And man, <sighs> excellent episode again. Like I think the la- latter half is just like some of the best Star Trek first you know it it all worked together but the first half i was like where's this going <laughs> but but yeah great episode the drumhead um again thank you guys for joining and as we wrap things up here uh let's go around the horn and see what everybody has been working on podcast related or otherwise how about you john what you working on man or watching or you know reading or whatever mm. Not much, man. Not much. I actually just downloaded this audio book that I think everybody should probably get into. And it's actually one of Bill Gates favorites. Hmm. Uh, and it's from an author named. Oh, gosh, don't make me pronounce Yovel Noah Harari. And it's called Homo Deus. And it's it kind it's kind of talking about and it's kind of fit me well with Star Trek. It's about. You know, our past, how that ties into our present and what we can expect based off of that in the future as far as just human beings in general. So, uh, so far, I've just started it uh, and it seems to be pretty good. Uh, And he has another one after that that just deals strictly with our future expectations as humans on planet Earth. Um, And I, I hear a lot of a lot of similarities uh, to what we hear in Star Trek as far as the past and how we've gotten to the Federation. So uh, I think it's a good read if you have time for it. And there's an audio book at seven bucks on Google Play. So Awesome. Awesome. That's Homo Deus by some guy's name I won't per- pronounce. <laughs> Harari. Uh, Noah Harari. Yeah. Kyle, man, what have you been working on podcast later otherwise, man? 
Well, for anyone listening who is a fan of Doctor Who, I would point you to Discussing Who, our other podcast that we do. And we are right now in the 2009 David Tennant specials leading up to the end of time itself. So, uh, yeah, check out DiscussingWho.com. All right, guys. Well, um, if you want to check out anything from me other than than this podcast, uh, like Kyle said, check us out at Discussing Who or our other website, Discussing Comics, where we talk all about comics and more. Yeah, and thank you for listening. If you made it this far, you can check us out at Discussing Trek on any other social medias. Send us email in, fan mail in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Again, as always, check us out on YouTube and any of the various podcasting platforms. And we thank you for listening once again, guys. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people A woman on Earth And a man in space Struggling to remain connected To help one another through life and death situations Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos Is the sound of each other's voices Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com what is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? It's Girl in Space. Tales of Sage and Savant. The Ninth World Journal. Oz9. Base Theta. Out. It's Girl in Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. What is Wi-Fi Sci-Fi? Find out at Wi-Fi Sci-Fi dot Wi-Fi Sci-Fi.